Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today, Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're Book Club for Games. And today we are. Today we're going to talk about Elden Ring. Wow, Elden Ring really came out this year. February 25th, 2022. Yeah, I can't believe it. It was just one of those things that was always on the horizon and suddenly it happened. It's just been part of the general time warp of the last few years. The the important thing about it is it got 95 plus on Metacritic, which instantly propels it onto your backlog. Yep, and I'll complete it. (laughs) you'll complete it are you going to complete it for this podcast oh no i'm not i don't think so it depends how long this podcast runs for yeah it's 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 the new boulders gate 2 definitely so i think the current scores as of recording are 96 on the consoles ps5 xbox one x and 95 on pc i guess they they weren't enough reviews or the older platforms (sighs) yeah Who cares? They're old news now, whatever. For the uninitiated, it's an action RPG from From Software, whose previous two games were Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and Dark Souls 3. Which also implies a Dark Souls 2 and a Dark Souls 1. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so last two were those. I would say it's been a swift turnaround. I think their last game came out in 2019. So it's only taken three years to put together Elden Ring. Much better than Breath of the Wild. Much better than Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's really, I, I mean, I didn't play Sekiro. I did, I did buy it, but I embarrassingly haven't actually played it. So for me, the last From Software game I played before this was Dark Souls 3. Which there is a book club at of. Yes. That's right. I mean, is that the only From Software game you've played prior to this? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you only played Dark Souls 3 because I made you play it for the book club. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really enjoy Dark Souls 3. Whereas by contrast, I have played Demon's Souls, Bloodborne, and Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. I didn't finish Demon's Souls, I did finish the others. So I'm a fan of the Souls-like games, though maybe not a super fan. I, you know, I haven't finished all the DLC. You're not reading fan fiction. No, I'm reading fan fiction, yeah. So I'm less of a fan of the Souls-likes than I am of Undertale. What does that say? <laughs> Something very strange. And I'm playing on PS5 because I, I like the rest mode 
but I've learned that if you go online and put in rest mode, the whole thing crashes. So I'm playing offline at the moment. Oh, that's interesting that it crashes if you put it into rest mode. Yeah, I'm sure it does. just doesn't know what to do with the um, when it's connected to the servers. Does that mean you don't get any random messages in the world? No, I don't. Okay. But you also get no invasions either. That too. But I don't miss the random messages. Probably because I'm playing with a guide. <sighs> okay, well, we'll address that later. You're going to give me a beating. Sorry. <laughs> well, I'd invade you, but, <laughs> but you're offline, so... I'm playing on PC, which normally I would make some smug comment about how much better it is, but actually it's shit. Like, th- the performance problems on PC are just frustrating. Like, the game literally just freezes for several seconds randomly, and it has definitely gotten me killed. Like, a boss will be, like, mid-swing, and the game will just freeze. And I'm like, how am I supposed to react to this now? You know, because I'm just like spamming the dodge roll button and sometimes it picks up the roll before it unfreezes and I dodge and other times it just doesn't and I just get clobbered in the face. You know, like it's just like unpredictably the game will just literally freeze frame for two to three seconds. I don't know if it's because, well, at first I thought it was a graphics issue. I thought it was some shader compilation problem, but now I'm starting to wonder if it's something else like some weird background loading cpu thing i don't know anyway i mean the game is still playable but it's occasionally very frustrating it's probably one of your 50 google tabs that you've got open yes i know i mean i'm actually wondering because i'm gonna have to start playing this on a laptop because i'm about to I'm, i'm flying to the uk literally tomorrow so I'm wondering if the game will actually perform better on my laptop because it's my laptop has a much newer CPU. Even though it's a laptop class CPU, it's still like four, five years newer. So maybe maybe it will still just play better. We'll see. Okay, let's see. I don't think laptop class CPUs are that good because they're so you know, they have to be thermally throttled. Yeah, we'll see. Let's okay. Let's start with impressions. Oh, and. Before we go any further, there will be spoilers for Elden Ring, which is like, we're going to talk about the bits of Elden Ring we've played, which is not the whole game, but we're just going to talk about the game however we like. So if you want to know nothing and go in completely blind, then play the game first and come back and listen. (laughs) But I don't think we'll be spoiling that much because neither of us has gotten that far. So, I don't know what you where your what your current position on it right now is, but I totally believe that this is a Souls Cross, Breath of the Wild game. This is the game. Yeah, I, I remember when you asked me to predict the Metacritic score for Elden Ring before the reviews came out, and I said it's going to be ninety five plus because this is the Breath of the Wild moment for the Souls games. And I was saying this with like literally no knowledge of what the game was like because I'd been, I'd, I'd literally been avoiding spoilers for it and I hadn't played the like network test and I, you know, I hadn't watched footage of people playing the game because I was like, I want to go into this like spoiler free. But I was just like, I know it's open world. This is going to be the Breath of the Wild moment because 
you know, it feels like that's what they're trying to do. And boom, 95 plus, you know. So I really thought this was going to be a significant reworking of the formula, but just with the, you know, in the same way that Breath of the Wild is like not like the Zelda games that had come before. I thought this was going to be not like the Souls-like games that had come before. It was going to be... I mean, it's not like Breath of the Wild is more accessible than the other Zelda games, because the other Zelda games were accessible anyway. But, you know, it was free in a in a way that the other Zelda games weren't, I guess. Like, you know, the, you could do things that you couldn't. It was much more systematic, so on. And so I kind of expected it would be something in that direction. But then having actually played it, I felt completely differently about it. But But you say your piece first. When I lo- when I look at it, it sounds like it's trivial just to replicate the Breath of the Wild formula, but they they've done even more than that. I think there's some things which I find really important, which are things like I think the the dungeon rewards, which I equate to shrines, they're just better because I feel like the sh- I don't know what the, the psychological the, the term the proper term is, but we want random rewards, we want unpredictable rewards, and our our brains really need that. Yeah, this is the whole dopamine thing. Right. Like you would think if you knew that doing a thing would give you a payout, you would be incentivized to do the thing, which you are. But if doing the thing might give you a payout, you're even more incentivized to do the thing. And imagine if your pay- the payout is variable. You know, there's a chance yeah, exactly. of getting 200 pounds versus 100. Yes. That's, and that's exactly the thing that triggers your brain's dopamine system. So that's how I feel when I go into a mini dungeon. I just know. I could find something that's perfect for my build. Obviously, there's a chance that I might find something that's total, total nonsense. I don't need it. Also, on top of that, there's I think there's more elements to the combat. You know, I don't think there's that much depth to the Zelda combat, whereas things I've not even tried doing yet in um, Elden Ring, like things like jump, like R2 attack, R2, jump R2. I, everyone's telling me, try out jump R2, do jump R2. I'm don't know what that is yet. I haven't done any of the Ashes of War. Is it Ashes of War? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, the weapon arts, basically. Yes, exactly. And then summons, you know, spirit summons. You're using those, right? Yeah, I'm using those. But I don't feel like I have, have any of that in Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah. And then there's sort of the weapon crafting, which I, I think it's just because we all hate weapon durability. Yeah, <laughs> quite so. I mean, the Souls games used to have weapon durability. That's literally something they've streamlined out of of the recent ones. And yeah, Breath of the Wild went exactly the other way. It's like, you know what people love? When their weapons break. <laughs> like, no, Nintendo, take a leaf out of FromSoft's book. I think who'd have thought that would be <laughs> something we're saying. And yet, upon booting up this game and playing it, you know, I really thought it was going to be a nice Breath of the Wild experience. And instead, I just got brutally murdered by, like, a grafted scion and then made my way out of, you know, like, the equivalent of the Shrine of Resurrection and then just got smashed in the face by, like, the Tree Sentinel and died again. I was like, this is definitely a Souls game. This this feels like a traditional Souls game, you know? So, like, it's funny that my initial impression was that no, this is just a Souls game with an open world. It's not a Breath of the Wild streamlining. But then I changed my mind again later on. Like, there's so many things they've done to the systems of the game to make it 
much much more forgiving or much less annoying you know like they basically they streamlined it without dumbing it down that's what i'm trying to say you know like often when a game is streamlined to make it more accessible it just you know something is lost and i think the only things that have been lost here are just frustration and annoyance you know it's just it's just much more fun so what i found is the difference between this and Dark Souls 3 is that if I get stuck, I, I'll just do something else, which I find not that I've had, to, I've got stuck, but it's, it's much more liberating. I feel like this is kind of, you, you can do that in Dark Souls 3 as well. Like I think in, in Dark Souls 2 and 3, they always make sure there's more than one way you can go. Like there's at least two paths. So but now if, consider if this, if you're already choosing the easier path, what's the other path? Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, th- this is why I said Dark Souls 2 and 3, because in Dark Souls 1, there's multiple paths too. There's the path they're expecting you to take, which is hard. And then there's the paths they're not expecting you to take, which are ridiculously difficult because <laughs> you're not meant to take them. And then in Dark Souls 2 and 3, I think more so in Dark Souls 2, but also to some extent in 3, there's literally two paths you can take that are of like the same difficulty kind of thing. And they just do that every time. So, you know... There's another way you can go that's no harder, perhaps. But I guess this is even more than that. You know, you can just keep wandering around and like fighting little packs of enemies. Also, perhaps with the mentality that I need to complete this game, I'm just just going in with a wiki. Whereas Dark Souls 3, I, I try to be more principled about it. Yeah, I mean, I I think if you're not a veteran of the Souls games playing with the wiki actually probably is a good idea like when i played dark souls one i also used a wiki i used a wiki and i watched let's plays of people playing the game and playing it well you know so for all of my talk about like get good and whatever like i didn't do that the first time i think i think you need to get a certain amount of familiarity with the souls games before you're going to want to do that and yeah i definitely didn't do that the first time i played them either so it's fair enough but I am going in as blind as possible this time. Which has led to some hilarious consequences. <laughs> Even with the help of Wiki, I don't really follow the law or the story. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm confused too. I mean, there's, the, there's like the opening cutscene that plays when you start and it just gives you this huge exposition dump and it just happens so fast that I've already forgotten like half of it. Like, I only remember the Dark Souls 1 lore because I've, you know, played several games of it. So I've seen that cutscene multiple times. Whereas this time it's just like something, something, the ring was shattered and there's six lords who have fragments of the ring. Yep. But that's about all I could say. You're much more, but usually you're up to speed with the lore, I find. Yeah, but I'm not reading a wiki this time. So (laughs) I, I do have... A Google Doc that I have open on another monitor. This is probably causing more performance problems. And I'm just typing stuff in as I get it. So like I do have random snippets of law like noted down. I'm just like, this name is this? Question mark, question mark, you know. So I have some idea, but there's just a lot going on. And this is also a series that doesn't explain a lot of stuff. You know, you're if you want to know the law, you have to go digging or piece it together from environmental clues like there's there's definitely times when i've seen stuff and i've been like this must have law implications like i've literally like found someone's like slumped body 
sitting on like an ornate wooden chair just on the edge of a cliff and they've had an item on them and i'm like this must mean something but i don't know what and you've noted that down i guess that's all you've got to do or can all you can do yeah i've been like chair and butterfly question mark question mark okay something you you'll no, because I asked you some questions at the beginning is I was quite, I'm still quite obsessed or I was and I'm still quite obsessed about the right build and the best gear. I still just, I still don't know what the best gear is. Is there a best build? Is there best gear? I don't think there is. I think most things are viable. Good. Good. A lot. Yeah. A lot of it is purely what is your play style? How do you want to play? And I think we're probably playing quite differently, which I think is also good. Should we go on to that bit? Should we talk about our playthrough? Yes, let's do it. The fallen leaves tell a story. So, Mike, what's your build and what's your starting class? So, my starting class was the prisoner. So, I was dressed in rags and I was, well, I had like this iron mask on, which kind of looks like it was made out of a chamber pot, which is kind of gross. It's like literally like a metal pot on my head with like an eye hole. And that class is basically a dex magic user. So, the starting weapon is an S-Doc, which is a kind of like rapier-like, you know, stabbing sword. And I also have a magic staff and a spell that summons a magical sword, basically. It just like creates this portal and then a magic sword shoots out of it and hits things. But it has quite a long wind-up time. Okay, but still sounds cool. Yeah, yeah well, it is cool. <laughs> so I have just continued with that archetype. I mean... This is kind of lame, but basically the last few Souls games, like, you know, Dark Souls 1 I played through as a strength build, which was fun. But Dark Souls 2 and 3, I've basically been playing this magic decks archetype. So my character is named Agrius after Agrius from Final Fantasy Tactics, who I think is one of the coolest characters ever. And she, in Final Fantasy Tactics, is a holy knight who has like sword magic you know she can literally wave her sword around and summon magic swords to stab out of the ground and attack things so that's literally what i'm doing here so yes my character's named agrius she's wearing a suit of knight armor now once i managed to ditch the chamber pot and i'm using a magic rapier that can summon a phalanx of swords and i still have that glintstone you know sword sorcery as well so I've got a shield to parry with, and then I just summon magic swords to augment my stabbing. And then what was interesting is that I, I made a, I questioned, I did a question saying, oh, how hard is it to do this? And you've commented on your build, whereas I really commented about 
you cosplaying as Agrias? What do you mean? Like, how hard is it to? Oh, how hard is it to cosplay as Agrias? <laughs> yes, is that what you meant? So that so yes. you, okay. So you meant how hard is it to cosplay as Agrias? And I took it to mean how hard is it to play as Dex Magic? Yes. Well, Agrius is just a knight, so she just has to wear some knight armor. I'm not wearing a helmet, though, because I, I think the thing that really made me do this as well is literally one of the preset faces has basically Agrius's hairstyle. So I was like, I guess I'm playing as Agrius again. So you're not engaged with like, I think there's, you can dye your clothes. Is that right? Uh, probably. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I do sometimes feel like I should go off piste and experiment more because like the kind of the problem with calling my character agrius and literally already being dressed up like agrius is like is this just me for the rest of the game now true because i'm getting you know i've started to find other interesting weaponry and i'm like should i try it out but you know anyway how about you i went the vagabond and what's the vagabond i think it's um strength decks but the problem was with that was I just had no ranged options, so I had to go and find myself a magic staff. So most oh. of the time I'm hitting things, but if I need to keep distance, I've got a staff. Which is probably the same staff you've got. So what spell are you casting? Uh, glint something. Glintstone pebble? Yeah, should be. So it just shoots a little bolt of magic out? Oh yeah, that's it, yeah. My most important thing is someone has said on Reddit that I can... That finish the game with the starter sword so i'm not too yeah that's what i mean like all the weapons are viable i think you know i don't think there's anything where it's like this weapon is trash and you need to tear up as soon as you can but like, you, you know you just need to get used to the moveset of the weapon and know how to use it but you came across an npc that gave you a plus eight rapier i would love yeah. it if an npc did that for me as well yeah that that was crazy i mean that was just so convenient but that's what i'm talking about when the rewards are that great, it's just, oh, how good does that feel? Yeah, especially when I discovered the rapier literally summoned a load of magic swords, and I was like, this is perfect. Should we talk about our playthrough now? Sort of our path? Yeah, so wait, wait, how long, how long have you played? Like, what's your playtime-ish? Uh, 16, 17 hours. Okay. And do you know roughly what level you are? 24. Cool. And what have you done? So I've explored pretty much everything before the castle. So at the beginning, I went to, you know, as everyone does, the Church of Ella, and explored the, the middle part of Limgrave. Is this the lake? The lake, yeah, but all of it. So I went to the coast as well. This like coastal cave. And then even went to like, there's a cave by the lake, like Murkwater Cave. And then I even touched the borders of South and East Limgrave. I never got the map fragment, so I never went deep in there. I had to get some help. Well, I never actually tried beating Margit on my own. I actually got help straight away. What, what do you mean when you say you got help? Um, my friend joined me. Oh, so you actually, so you were online for that? You actually summoned? I was online for that, yeah. yeah okay, okay, okay. And once I did that, I just went South and East, got those map fragments, and I'm exploring those now. So I've been to the Weeping Peninsula, I've gone as far east as the Summerwater Village. Okay. So basically, you've. This is totally different to me. 
This is what's actually interesting, because I remember when we were talking about it before the recording, and you were telling me about some of the stuff you'd done, and you were like, oh, you play more than me, so you probably you know about this already, right? And you were saying stuff, and I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, you were saying like, oh, when this happens, and I was like, I have never seen that, you know, especially when you just mentioned like this dragon, and I was like, what dragon? <laughs> Go on. What, 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 if, how, what was your path then? <laughs> I mean, I basically did like the exact opposite to you like i got out of the starter area i just got murdered by the tree sentinel and then i just started sneaking which is like very unlike me i guess but i think it's just i don't know whatever frame of mind i was in that day so i just avoided loads of fights i saw there was this big encampment of enemies and i just snuck around it and then i got up to this thing called stormgate where there was a giant troll and i got killed by the troll and it's kind of lucky I got killed by the troll because then I went back and explored a bit more, like back between, you know, the path between Stormgate and, you know, where I first emerged into Limgrave. And so that's when I went and, you know, I went back to the Church of Ella and all of that. And that's when I actually got, you know, the Mount Torrent and the Ashes, like the bell to, you know, use the Lone Wolves and the Jellyfish that I got given and the ability to go to the round table hold because i didn't actually have any of that when i first got to stormgate and then i snuck back to stormgate well actually i didn't have to sneak there i could just go straight to the you know the lost grace managed to kill the troll then got on torrent and galloped all the way to margit basically and then something i used to do in the previous souls games as well is like try and get a preview of the boss so I put down my summon sign, got summoned by someone, and they saw I was in my starter gear and immediately dismissed me. And I felt like so offended. I was like, how dare you? How dare you make this assumption about my playing ability? So then I walked through the fog gate and just got instantly killed. And I was like, okay, fair enough. They were right. <laughs> but I just got good. I just kept fighting Margit until I finally beat him. And then I was in Stormvale Castle. And it was hard. Like I just kept getting killed in the castle. So then I went and tried to explore a bit. And I found there's a way to sneak around the castle. And I got to that Lost Grace at, you know, like Lake Leonia or something. But then I felt like that was cheating. Because I kept encountering like messages saying like, you know, well done, no boss. You know, because like I found the secret passage. And I was like, oh, I need to do the boss, you know. So I went back into Stormvale Castle and I spent like the next 10 hours just grinding my way through the castle and eventually getting to the boss and like just getting good until I managed to beat Godric the Grafted. So pretty much the first 12 hours of my playthrough was just that straight shot into Stormvale Castle and beating Godric. And my map, I think I showed you my map. It was literally just a straight line, like, of the graces between the starting point and, and the end of the castle. But the most shocking part was that it was still grey. It was all grey. Yeah, because I just kept thinking, at some point this map is going to fill in, right? Because I'd seen screenshots of, of them. I hadn't looked at them closely, but I, I'd seen screenshots. And I know that, you know, there's this beautiful painted map. And I was like, when's it going to fill in? Like, how much of the map do I have to explore before it fills in? I sent you my map, and it was filled in. Well, not all, all of it, because I was still exploring, but... It wasn't yeah. great. I know. That's why I was like, what's going on here? And then 
on the other side of the castle, like after beating Godric, I then decided to explore like the Leonia area. And while I was in the swamp, I just found this like glowing, you know, like pillar thing and used it. And it just filled in the map. And I was like, oh, I have to find one of these to fill in the map. And then I looked at the gray area for Limgrave and saw that there was like a point on the map that was like glowing a little bit in the middle of one of the encampments that I'd snuck around. And so I just went back to that encampment and I had to fight my way through it. And then I found the map marker and it filled in the map. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and then once I could see the map, I was like, wow, this all makes so much more sense now. Like I understand the geography of the area much better. And there's this whole lake here and all the stuff I hadn't done, you know. Yeah. So I've, I had basically at 12 hours in, I had not explored anywhere. I had just literally done the boss. And then, yeah, so like my total playtime is actually like 24 hours now. So I played another 12 hours since then. And I spent the next 12 hours doing much more exploration. And it was much more fun, to be honest. Like, it was hard, like just powering through the castle at basically, you know, level one whatever your starting level is like i i really did most of that castle in just the beginner gear and i just i just i i did know that i must be doing this wrong in some way because you know you see like white well actually if you're playing offline you maybe you don't see this but i keep seeing you know like bloodstains or white phantoms of other people moving through the area and they all had really cool like armor and weapons like they had like massive like head plumes on or carrying like two giant axes or like a massive spear and i was like i've just got my starter gear where are people finding all this stuff and it's obviously because they explore a lot of limgrave and surrounding areas first before they attempt stormbell castle that's also like another i would say benefit but also a disadvantage of uh, reading the wiki is that you know what level you're meant to be when you hit things. So you know that you need to do a bit more leveling up beforehand. Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the point I finished Stormvale Castle, I was also about like level 20 something. But that was mostly because I just got given big XP dumps by Margit and Godric. Because the actual enemies in the castle didn't give me that much XP. Okay. And then I actually continued to explore in the castle because I met this... Well, there's a guy you can actually summon. I think, I think he helps you fight Margit optionally called Roger, Roger the Sorcerer. Yep. And he tells me he's looking for something in the castle. And then I found like a, a message from him, like, you know, one of those white, uh, you know, message, rune messages saying like, oh, what you seek is down here kind of thing. So I was just following that and I was starting his... He's got like a personal quest line. So long story short, he basically gets gravely wounded at some point, like in the basement of the castle, fighting this ulcerated tree spirit, which I also managed to fight and beat. And you meet him back at the round table hold and he's like, I can't tell if he's paralyzed or he's just like his legs are broken or something, but he can't walk anymore. He's basically just like slumped against the wall and there's all these like flies buzzing around him. And he's just like, oh, yeah, my quest is over, but maybe you can continue it for me. And he gives you his rapier. So that's why I've got Roger's rapier plus eight, which is this like cool, ornate, like gold handled rapier that casts glint blade phalanx. And that's my main weapon now. I'm pretty certain that my build won't be able to handle it. It probably doesn't have enough intelligence or something. Yeah, I had to put additional points into decks to use it. Okay. 
So I've been just continuing to explore, you know, and follow his quest line. So that took me all the way north into like the Leonia region and, fought, you know, until this black knife catacombs, which was hard. And I had to kill like this optional boss behind a hidden wall that gave me this black knife print and stuff. So there was that. And then I've also been trying to get into what I assume is the second. Well, it doesn't have to be the second. I mean, you could do these in any order, but like another one of the major dungeons of the game, which is the Dark Souls Academy of Witchcraft and Wizardry, uh, Rhea Lucaria. I think it's like the Magic Academy. So there's like a sealed gate and I was trying to find the like talisman that would let me pass through the gate, which I eventually managed to find underneath a freaking magic dragon that I was not able to kill, but I did manage to pick up the key before I died. So, yeah, that's where I am now. Talking about where we are now, I've just beaten the dragon in the first in Limgrave. I mean, that's pretty good. I haven't beaten that dragon. I'm still exploring the area still, but that, that, that was definitely a highlight. Do you just beat it solo? Oh, yeah. Nice. It's not that hard, actually. Yeah, I mean, I did try fighting it once and I did get it to like half health. So I was thinking I probably could beat this if I practiced, but like I'm just done grinding for a bit. I'm exploring. So I just I just left it. But it doesn't make it feel any less epic. I mean, I'm sure there'll be more like more encounters like this going forward. What, what does the dragon give you if you beat it? I think it's a dragon heart. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because I found this weird dragon shrine where it yes. looked like I could offer dragon hearts. Yes, and I was thinking, yes. I bet if I kill a dragon, I'll get a dragon heart. Cool. Okay, fine. I, I didn't talk about that because I didn't know you'd got there or found it. Yeah, yeah. So th- stuff like that. Yeah, because I, I, in my, you know, after getting through the castle and I went, you know, after going back and finding the map, I did try and explore some of Limgrave and I have encountered, you know, well, that dragon, and there was also Bok the Seamster. That was so cool. That was so cool. It's like, who's talking to me? What is going on? What do I need to do? That was such a random character. So I was like, oh yeah, I forgot someone turned me into a tree. I'm like, what? Poor Bok. He just sounds so sad. But it's one of those moments where you think the trees are talking to me, and it was, I thought that was just, you know, for a game that's quite supposedly dark, I thought it was quite funny. I mean, the thing is, like, trees might talk to you in this game. It's not even unusual, right? Yeah. It seems completely plausible. So have you recovered box sewing needle and stuff? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Me too. He gives you the, the, the ability to alter your garments, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I so don't... these are all things I, I did later. And I, I think I was probably a bit overleveled by the time I got to them because it was not a problem doing it. Is Potboy a recurring character? This is the giant pot that wants you to knock him out of the ground because he's stuck? Yes. Yeah, okay. So you're lucky I also encountered this character because I'm like, Potboy? Oh, he must mean... I don't know. I've only met him that one time as well. But he's not, he's not occurred in any of the other Dark Souls games. Not that I recall. This character's pure comedy is so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, there are certain like recurring archetypes in the Dark Souls games, but 
I don't know. Maybe he's like the Onion Knight or something. Like maybe he's he's like a an instance of that character. I don't know. Okay, I quite like these like NPC encounters. I thought they were very uh, good relief, light relief. Yeah, I mean, he mentions he's going to fight in some tournament to the east or something. So I imagine we will meet him again, but I have not met him again yet. Do you want to talk about what you've encountered? Any highlights, or should I just move on with mine? I'm trying to think what I've encountered that's been fun and random, like in my travels. I've died to many giant crabs. Like, giant crabs in the Souls games just mess me up. I don't know. Like, I try to, I try to, try to remember the first instance of a giant crab. I mean, they, to be honest, it's only Dark Souls 3 is the first time I can think of it, but they just have some obsession with deadly, deadly giant crabs. I even saw a giant lobster once, and I was just like, I am not going anywhere near that thing. Yeah, like most of the time, I've made, most of the time, I've literally just avoided the crabs because I know they're deadly. But there was one time in one of the catacombs where there were lots of small crabs around, and there was an item at the end of the room, and I was like, when I pick up the item, I bet all the small crabs are going to mob me. So I killed them. And I picked up the item and then two giant crabs just like boiled up out of the ground and then killed me. So it's like, wow, it wasn't even the small crabs. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't enjoy fighting some crabs. I'd just avoid them. Why, why can't you avoid them? Is it because they're, side, they're scuttling sideways, you know, sideways and that's... Well, the ones I'm encountering in the overworld, I have been avoiding because I just, I know they're so bad. But when you're in an enclosed space and literally two just, you know bubble up out of the ground and there was like nowhere to hide because the way into that room is a ladder so you can't even climb back up the ladder because they'll just like swat you off the ladder there are a ton of like weird and mystical magical things out there which i'm avoiding lots of tentacle things just lying around i don't like tentacled creatures i have i have no idea what they're about either i've i've seen giant tentacle things on the beach yep yeah, and I, I haven't even tried to fight them. Again, I've just been giving them a wide berth. I've been just like, I feel like this is not worth fighting. I don't want to discover what this is going to do to me when I get near it. Isn't Cod Mike disappointed by all this, like, avoidance? Surely Cod Mike just goes in there and just beats things. I mean, sometimes it's actually really freeing once you lose all your souls, because usually you've got, like, a thousand souls and two thousand, and they're slowly building up, right? And you're trying to, like... You're trying to hoard them to get to that next level up point. And then every now and then, either you spent them all or you just lose them because of like some freaking getting run over by a chariot or something. And then it's just like, you know what? Now I'm free. Now I can do anything with no consequences. And that's when I will go and just like try stuff. So, yeah, I do do stuff like that. But sometimes when I've encountered an enemy, I've been carrying a lot of souls and I've been, well, sorry, runes in this game. So I've been more conservative. Like the whole economy of the runes in this game is like, you know, all the Souls games work like this. It's kind of, um, it's kind of funny because I, you know, the cost of a level up just keeps going up. And so you just end up having to hold more and more souls to be able to get that next level up, which kind of forces you to play more conservatively or just for a while, just not care about leveling up and just be like, ah, it's okay. I can lose these. Do you have any more anecdotes? Yeah. NPC invasions. I didn't know this was a thing. This really caught me off guard. Yes. This was incredible. I, 
I thought I could sort of dodge it. I thought it was scripted in some way. It was scripted, obviously, because because the second You're I offline, yeah. So I thought, what's going on? I'm online. <laughs> yeah, I've had two NPC invasions so far. One of them was easy, and I just won. <laughs> But that was because I encountered it after I left Stormvale Castle and I was, well, I was kind of dialed into the playstyle by then. And I guess I was a higher level too. And then one of them, one of them was another just get good. And it took me like an hour to like eventually beat it. Where's the invasion you had then? Uh, north of the lake. Is, is this like, Mark was there Water. like an arena or something there? No. For like dueling? No. Okay, so maybe this is an invasion I haven't had, because I also had a random NPC invasion somewhere in Limgrave, I think. And there was like a Colosseum-type thing where the game introduced me to the idea of dueling. Like, you can put down a red summon sign to duel people in this Colosseum. So what happened in this one is then, like, an NPC summon came to save me? Or an NPC came to save me? Is that normal? Is that the... This is all new to me. The process. But when you get invaded by someone online, does someone else come in to save you? They they can. They can. So I think the way it's worked in the previous Souls games are, you know, you've got like the white summons you can summon into your world to help you. Then there were red summons, which were invaders. And there were blue summons who were like defenders. So you could make yourself available as a blue summon. And then you would automatically be summoned into people's worlds who were being invaded to help them dispatch the invader. I'm not sure if it's like that in this game, but I I expect it's going to be something similar. So that was totally what happened. So an NPC defender came and helped me out, which was amazing. Because all of this was just happening in front of me and I didn't really know what was going on. That was very cool. Yeah, I, I think it's good that they do this for the offline mode too, to give you a flavour of what it's like online. I mean, I've actually not been invaded by any player characters either. I've only had the NPC invasions. So, so far I've not had a, a real player invade me. I have received the invasion item, so I can invade other people now as well, but I, I haven't done it yet. I'm not sure whether I want to start down that path. I mean, the other... NPC invader I had that was really tough, probably because I tried to do it like right at the time I was trying to go into Stormvale Castle. So I was again literally wearing my starter gear and I was really low level. In the round table hold, you know there's that balcony that looks over that room. I've not been to round table hold yet. Wait, what what? I told I was I deferred it. OMG. Holy crap. This is a revelation. Yeah. But keep talking. It doesn't matter. Wow. Okay. Well, my mind is kind of blown, but in the round table hold, it's like a no fighting zone. So you can't, if you push the attack buttons, it doesn't do anything, which is actually quite nice because like in the earlier Souls games, you could accidentally like put down your controller and just like smack someone in the face and then they become hostile to you and it would really mess up your game. So in the round table hold, you can't accidentally attack people. But there's a balcony that overlooks this like lower room. And you you know that you know something is sus with this balcony. Because you're you're standing on the balcony and you're looking down. Actually, maybe you wouldn't know this because you're playing offline. 
the the lower room that the balcony's looking over, just full of bloodstains. Just literally wall-to-wall bloodstains. And it's like, will the fall kill me? Is it too far? It doesn't look that far. And I, I jumped over the balcony to try it. And you get invaded once you jump down to that lower room. And the person who invades you just murderizes you. It's this mad tongue Alberic. Again, maybe depending on when you do this, it'll be easy. But like, I jumped down there and I just died and died and died and died. Well, you kept jumping down there. <laughs> I kept jumping down because I had I was carrying 400 <laughs> souls, which at the time was actually quite a lot because it was right at the beginning of the game, you know. And I was like, I want my souls back. But as soon as you jump down there, you get invaded. So you can't, you know, warp back out again. And you can't run away because you've jumped down to this lower level. So like, literally, I jumped down there and died. And so I would jump down there, pick up my souls, and then try and win the fight. And it took me a long time to eventually get good enough to like dodge and parry this guy and eventually win so you have that to look forward to i mean it's optional you i you don't need to jump down there clearly i hope you got some good awards for Um, jumping down there (laughs) no you get you get an item called the taunter's tongue which just encourages people to invade you (laughs) i think if you i think if you use the item it puts you like higher on the priority list to be invaded and lets two people invade you at once. Okay. So it's like the lol, I'm too good item. So I haven't actually ever used it, but that's what you get. Actually, I did want to talk about the, the scarabs, which I thought were an enemy, but they're just loot containers. Mm. Which I discovered really late when I was level 23, but I thought that's cool. Yeah, I think all the Souls games have some kind of thing like this. Like, you know, Dark Souls had Crystal Lizards, which were basically, the, you know, that game's version of Scarabs. And yeah, it's cool because you can hear them. It's like something to... Sometimes, they, again, they're just like a trap, right? Like oh, there was... Dear. there was. Don't tell me this. <laughs> I definitely... There was a bit where I was on this, like, bridge and I could hear a Scarab and I was like, where is the Scarab? I was just like running around, I was looking for it. And then I went down... And under the bridge, and I could see the scarab was hanging from, you know, hanging underneath the bridge. And underneath the bridge were a load of like weird poison monsters. So I killed the poison monsters and then had to take out a ranged weapon to shoot down the scarab. And then I was trying to run off the scarab to kill it. And the scarab just ran straight up to a giant crab. <laughs> because of course it did. <laughs> and I managed to kill the scarab. I just had to run away while this crab was chasing me. I was just like, no, crab, leave me alone. Okay. One more anecdote from me, which again, I think is a self-inflicted thing from powering through the castle right at the start. I had, you know, basically until I got given this plus eight rapier, I couldn't level up any of my weapons. It was actually really annoying because I kept getting like smithing stone two smithing stone three and i was like okay great i've got two smithing stones and i've got three smithing stones great because i needed three to like level up the weapon but then no i had one smithing stone level two and like one smithing stone level three and i kept finding like the level two and three and four smithing stones but i never got any of the level one ones and the same with the glove wart because i was going and doing like this black knife catacombs and stuff or undercliff catacombs and you know, I was getting Grave Glove Wart 2, Grave Glove Wart 3, Ghost Glove Wart, whatever, like all these high tier mats, but I never got the level one version and I couldn't use any of the higher tier ones until my, you know, 
ashes, like the lone wolf ashes, you know, got to level two to be able to use the level two grave glove wart, for example. And so I had to go searching. This is how I found Bok the Seamster and all these other things. Because I went back to Limgrave and I was just searching for a low level catacombs or something. Because I was, I was thinking, I bet in this starter area is where I get Grave Glove War 1. And then I finally found some. And then I instantly went to like Lone Wolves level 4. And now my Lone Wolves are really good. I didn't even know what Grave Glove War was used for till just now. I didn't even know I could level my ashes. Yeah, I. this is, I guess, just because you haven't been to the Roundtable Hold. Oh, okay. Because in the Roundtable Hold, there were a bunch of NPC conversations, and eventually someone sets up shop that lets you upgrade your ashes. And they were like, oh, yeah, give me some Grave Glove Wart. And I was like, where do I get Grave Glove Wart from? And then eventually it was like, okay, I've got Grave Glove Wart. Oh, it's the wrong level. You know? And yeah, I was really struggling with a boss in the Black Knife Catacombs because like there was this boss where you walk in the room and there's the boss and there's also three skeletons. And I was just getting overwhelmed, basically, because I, I, the skeletons, if you kill them, they just come back to life unless you kill them while they're on the ground. And so I was having to try and fight these three skeletons while the boss was wailing on me. And then I tried summoning the wolves and they just got one shot, basically. And then I came back there with the teared up wolves. And then the wolves just basically killed the boss for me. And I was like, okay, this was much easier now. Okay, so I guess we're in agreement that Elden Ring is really good. Yeah. I, I, you know what? If you'd asked me this at 10 hours, I'd be like, oh, it's just such a drag. But at 24, I'm like, yeah, it's great. So why, why so? Why is that? Oh, yeah, I think I alluded to this earlier. Like, it has, it has managed to stay pure to its like, core premise. You know, like it's soul. It's soul is still there. You know, it is a soul's game. But they have just smoothed off a lot of the rough edges. They've removed a lot of the friction. Like the old Souls games were old school, not just in the gameplay, you know, not just in you have to get good, not just in like the deep combat that people love, but also in the unforgivingness of the systems and i don't just mean the combat i you know i mean things like leveling up your weapon you know or leveling up your character even because it used to be you assign a skill point that's it that point is there now 
you know, it's like, oh, I put loads of points into, you know, into decks and then I decided I want to play a strength build. Too bad. Those points are in decks now forever, you know, whereas in this game, I haven't found it yet, but I believe in this game, like the later Souls games, you can just reassign your points later on. You can find an item that lets you respec or the weapon upgrading, you know, it used to be that you needed like five different kinds of like stones to upgrade your weapon. Like if you wanted to go the fire path, or if you wanted to go the magic path, or if you wanted to go like the standard upgrade, like there were different stones for each of those paths. And once you start down a path, you can't go back. So if you want to have a like a dex leveling rapier and you also want a magic rapier, you need to find two different rapiers and level them both up. You know, and that's like that's a massive pain, right? Whereas I was really shocked that you can just freely switch and like you could say something's been lost by this because, you know, your decisions aren't as permanent so they're less impactful. But I'd also just say it's just way more respectful of your time. You know, like the game's already so long to expect you to play the whole game over again just to try out a different build is just rude. You know, and so they don't force you to play the whole game again. You can just, you can just change your weapon up. You can just change your character up. You know, you can just, you can just enjoy the game, and that is the real thing that's changed, I think, in Elden Ring. So I don't really need to worry about my build. I, I think so. Well, you know, I haven't found the way to respec yet, but I believe it is in there. And I, I have found the way to change my character's appearance. So if I wanted to change my character's name and look and voice and like everything about the character, I can just do that at any time. You know, so if I decide like I'm done cosplaying Agrius, I could do it. You know, I could just, I could literally change my character's name and their entire look. I could make them like a burly man if I wanted, you know, no need to start a new character. I could just do it. And yeah, the same with like the weapons, like this is the Ashes of War stuff. So I, this, it really surprised me because for ages I didn't use any of the Ashes of War because I assumed they were single use items because in any of the previous Souls games, they would have been, but you can freely change the Ashes of War on any weapon at any time you like. So that cool magic rapier that has the glint blade phalanx ability well that ability is actually an ash of war so if i find another sword later that i like more than that rapier i can just switch that skill onto that other weapon and when i change the skill i can choose do i want this weapon to scale with dex or with strength or with both or with magic you know with like my intellect and i can just change that at any time when i apply the ash oh that's very cool yeah, it's really, it's really forgiving. It's like, I'm shocked that they've done this. But it also means that I feel really free just to try out new builds. So, you know, when I was trying to fight those skeletons, obviously a piercing rapier doesn't do much damage. And so I put my cosplaying aside for a moment and I tried using a mace. And then I was just like, if they're undead, maybe holy does more damage. So I just made a holy mace just because, just because I could. And I felt free to do that without feeling like, oh, I've wasted this mace or I've wasted these holy ashes. And, and there's other small things they've done too, like the summoning pools and the stakes of Marika. So, you know, like in the previous games, you fight a boss and you die and there's like a long and tedious run back 
from the last you know bonfire to the fog gate and now often there'll be a thing called like a stake of marica next to the fog gate so if you die at the boss you just respawn at the fog gate if you want to or let's say you and a friend are trying to play together you know it used to be that you'd put down your summoning sign and they'd summon you and you'd fight together to get to the boss but then you want to summon the other way around now so they can help you out and before they would have to run back and put their summoning sign down because you'd be right back at the start of the dungeon but now they can just use the one that sends their summoning sign to the summoning pool you know so it's like naturally it's back at the start and they can be summoned at the start without having to do the run back or you can you know it's just a natural place for summoning signs to accrete there's all these little things i've done and i'm learning about these little things i didn't know that's how the summon, summoning pool was used yeah it's a new mechanic in this game but it's it streamlines things yeah but but not in a not in a way that dumbs the game down you know they've streamlined it by removing the friction not by simplifying it so something that i was worried about so my friend has two characters. So we were struggling with Margit. And he, we originally we were using his lower level character. But then he we said, sod this. Let's use his current character, which is way over leveled for me. And they just scaled him down. Perfect. Oh, uh, yeah. Are you using the password system? Uh, yeah, password system. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do that. Because, again, they're just trying to make the game fun, right? They're, they're trying to... They're making the game fun without compromising what makes the game good and i really think that is what makes this game so well unusual and deserving of 95 plus like too many games when they try to make them accessible lose some of the core of what makes them good and this game they've really thought about what is important and made sure to maintain that and i think another way in which this is kind of better than breath of the wild is you know again in that staying true to the strengths of the previous games in the series stormvale castle which is the one like major dungeon area i've played really feels like a souls-like game you know it has that complicated interconnected design and you know clever encounters and weird fun secrets where people are like stabbing you in the back like there's a there's literally a bit where i was like exploring the castle and i walked into a room and the door slammed behind me and locked and someone laughed and i was like what the and then i just got killed by like a knight that was in that room you know like weird things like that that are in the souls games that's all in this too you know they've they've managed to bolt this open world while still having yeah these these great expressions of the classic games too, you know, much, much more so than Breath of the Wild's Divine Beasts, which are basically that game's versions of its dungeons. You know, those, those dungeons were not as good as the classic Zelda dungeons. And I think that's what everyone's hoping that they managed to fix in Breath of the Wild too. And yeah, again, this game has managed to add this open world without compromising its traditional gameplay as well. So what I wanted to say, I, I covered it at the very beginning in the impressions, it's it's the weapons, which are really interesting. I don't find in Zelda, you, you're really just waiting for the Master Sword, which is unfortunate, <laughs> right? 
And then you've gone from like a rapier to a holy maze to to knock off these skeletons. I mean, once you have the master sword, you're going to stick with the master sword, really. And I don't know, maybe because we have a when it comes to upgrade elements, it's we like having more materials. It seems in a weird world, we quite like having all these weird things to upgrade. All these, um, what do I want to say? All these elements that we have to upgrade. I like that complexity. And when you say, you know, Elden Ring is not compromising itself when it's trying to make itself more accessible. I just always think about Invisible War having one ammo type (laughs) for everything. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. You see, that's the sort of thing where on paper it sounds great, but actually it seriously compromises the entire game. You know, like, because, like, in in an FPS, a lot of the actual deeper gameplay comes from ammo management. You know, like, oh, do I use a rocket to take out this group of enemies and then I can use, you know, like a regular gun? Whereas like in Invisible War, use a rocket and that rocket uses up the same resource as all of your other guns. So it's like never worth using the rocket because you'll be left with no ammo for anything else. You know, it's like that was a seriously flawed design decision, which so far this game appears to have managed to avoid yeah and it's definitely you know it's fun to try out the other weapons like literally the main reason i'm not trying out more weapons is because of my cosplay <laughs> like i found some like cool claws that cause like bleed build up and i was thinking like oh maybe i should just try using the claws you know but it's like agrius doesn't use claws but they are a dex weapon any more positives no i i think i've I think I've just hammered home the same point over and over again, but I think that's my key point to say. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it's good. I do have one negative. I think this game needs a quest journal. It 100% needs a quest journal. This is a very interesting point because what is the purpose of a quest journal? I, I Wasn't there some controversial tweet by one of the Horizon Zero Dawn devs about quest design? And how frustrated they were that, once again, a Horizon game is being overlooked because it's released at the same time as, a, you know, a Souls-like. And the Souls-like quest design is very opaque. Like, it's not even clear that you're on a quest, you know. Whereas, like, Horizon Zero Dawn has so many quests. And which is the better way to go? Like Horizon Zero Dawn, you've literally got a journal full of loads and loads and loads and loads of quests. Actually, I've never played any of the Horizon games, so I don't know. This is all anecdotal. Whereas like Dark Souls or Elden Ring, obviously. Yeah. Are you on a quest? Who knows? Like, you know, how do I know Rogier's given me a quest? It's very unclear. Like, I just feel like he's giving me a quest. But nowhere does it say, for Rogier's quest, go to this catacombs. Yeah, it's it's very um, indirect, all the dialogue that leads up to a quest. It's all very suggestive. But I like that. Okay, I think that's well, okay, good. What, what I, okay, what I may... Wait, let, let's change what I want to say. Maybe I want a, a journal. Just a journal to say I had this conversation with the NPC. So I'm, I'm reminded that, oh, yes, I've had this conversation. And it's up to do how I interpret that, that dialogue. I think that maybe that'd be more useful. Yeah. No, no. I know what you're saying. I'm just being facetious. Like, I do think having a quest log, I, I, you know, it's hard for me to say how much that would change the feel of the game. 
Because obviously all the Souls games have worked basically this way. Actually, I say that. I haven't played Sekiro. I think you're right. I think you're right. I don't want, you know, complete opposite is a world filled with markers, you know, a la Assassin's Creed. I don't want a thousand checkboxes on my map. But I do want a journal where I can annotate and just say, and put a mark on saying, highlight this location from this piece of dialogue. And then I can just put a mark on the map to say, maybe I should check out here later. Yeah. That's it. Actually, we haven't even talked about that. The mar- On the map, you literally can put down a marker and it puts up a glowing pillar in the world, just like Breath of the Wild. And that actually is very useful. Like, I've definitely used that. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I guess what you're describing is kind of like the Baldur's Gate 2 quest system, where again, like, it's tracking quests, but it's not like, go here for this quest. You literally have to read through this journal and try and figure things out. And it's like, yeah, a lot of it is like, what is the feel of the game? What is it? You know, if I think if it put markers down in the world too much, it would compromise the mystery and like, and also just making you think. You know, the fact that it doesn't hold your hand means that you have to think instead, and that makes you engage with the game more. But of course, I would be very positive about this because obviously I like this kind of game. I mean, one thing that is funny is I literally just before we recorded this episode, I was playing the game and i talked to a character and they literally put a marker down on my map saying go here and talk to this person and i was just like huh this has never happened before so there is some of that too something i like about the Baldur's gate journal is that there's you get the concept of a passage of time because they'll it'll say date per entry i i just also did make me think what about the passage of time in olden ring yeah, you know, again, we didn't talk about that. There's a whole day-night cycle going on now. And, like, I think certain things only appear at certain times of day. Yeah. I, I don't know how much elapsed time matters. Yeah, like, do certain things only happen after, like, 30 days or something? I don't know. It would be, I don't know if it's useful to, maybe it's, maybe it's probably not useful to the game to have the concept for elapsed time. But on any sort of epic adventure, it's, it's nice to have a, a feel for time. Yeah. And one more thing, going back to Horizon Zero Dawn, you're right. One thing I did want to say, but I didn't say it because I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, was Breath of the Wild. Elden Ring has managed to replicate Breath of the Wild really well. I think that's something that Horizon has failed to do. But Spicy. Like you said. No, but I've not played it. I'm only looking at it from purely from a reviewer's perspective. It clearly has not done it quite right. I, I don't know. I actually... I keep meaning to play the Horizon games, but you know it was previously only on PS4, and I've just I've just become so much more of a PC gamer again that I just like never quite got round to it. I mean, I know it's on PC now, but yeah, it's hard to find the time. <laughs> Why is it hard to find the time? I don't know, but it is. Because you're so nice, apparently. <laughs> Very recently, Breath of the Wild 2 was delayed. And my response to this was, it's because they've seen Elden Ring. Do, do you really think I do, because all the systems are just so much better than... It, it feels like Zelda Breath of the Wild is Elden Ring light right now. All the mechanics were there, but they weren't deep enough. You know, it's really funny, because I remember when we were seeing Breath of the Wild preview vids before breath of the wild was released and i remember saying like hey do you think breath of the wild is zelda crossed with dark souls because I, I saw a bit where you were, you know they 
they attacked the old man. The old man attacked them back. And I was like, it's like Dark Souls. And you're picking up apples and putting them on the fire and stuff. I don't know. Actually, that's nothing to do with Dark Souls. But the bit where they attacked the old man certainly was. And I was like, yeah, this is an interesting insight. Because, you know, after playing Breath of the Wild, I no longer felt so much like it was like Dark Souls. But there is a bit of a connection there, even more so now Elden Ring is an open world Souls-like. I just don't like how everything is so templated. There's definitely a structure and they've just filled in the, the dots. Like, I've got 120 shrines, dumped them into the map. Yeah. I do agree with you there. Like a lot of the shrines in Breath of the Wild became tedious towards the end. Like you see a shrine, you know you're going to go in there and it's going to be that same look and feel. And at the end of the, at the end of it, you're going to get a spirit orb and you're like, ah, I've got enough. I can't be bothered. Yeah. Right. And like, you don't feel that with Elden Ring. I mean, well, obviously we haven't played it as much, but like you go into a dungeon like a catacombs or a or a grave or a whatever. Like I don't know, they, there seem to be a few types. And yeah, you don't know what you're gonna find in there. Like they do kind of have the same cookie cutter structure. At least the ones I've been in. Like you fight your way to the bottom and there's a boss. And the boss I think is probably from a pool of bosses. Like I don't I don't think every single one has a unique boss. But yeah, the reward is you don't know you don't know what that reward's going to be and so it's more exciting and there's more than one style you know like i've been to three catacombs now so those that is definitely a style but even those have well i've had two different kinds of enemies i've had ones that are filled with gargoyles and i've had ones that are filled with skeletons and then i also found some one filled with ghosts but that was like a grave and that one was almost like a puzzle like I had to like run and avoid this like giant chariot that would one shot me. So yeah, there's just a, there's just a lot of stuff. I don't know. I mean, I'm not convinced really Nintendo is delaying it because of Elden Ring, but you never know. You never wrote no. There's actually more to say, but let's leave it for part two. Okay, yeah, because we're gonna do a part two. I mean, I certainly would like to finish Elden Ring before we wrap it up for the podcast okay so i would like to try and finish it but we'll see how i get on i mean i've I've heard it's just a really big game like i probably only scratched the surface of it i've heard it gets better after the castle okay which i can't believe well i'm after the castle now so is it better <laughs> I'm enjoying it a lot more, but I also didn't. I also didn't do anything before the castle, so we were lost levels club. We still are lost levels club. Please rate and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Please, please, please. You can find us on email, Mike Ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter, at Lost Levels Club. Anything else? Reddit slash r slash lost levels club mike what are you grateful for today i am grateful that i am flying back to uk tomorrow so we'll be in the same country again hopefully we'll see each other this time yeah this time the uk is no longer in lockdown so oh have you got covid yet you'll get covid um you know as you <laughs> as you land <laughs> i forgot to tell you
<laughs> yeah, they'll be like, welcome to the UK. Here's your COVID. Just snort it up your nose. Yeah. I, oh, geez. Yeah, let's hope not. I've managed to avoid it all the way up to now. So let's see if I can dodge that bullet again. So Michael says bye. Bye bye.